Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Impact Studios podcast series here at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business here in Ann Arbor. I'm your host, Jeffrey Sanchez-Burks, faculty director of the Impact Studio, where we harness design and business acumen to help create equitable, sustainable solutions for organizations. I'm here with Lauren Franklin, founder and CEO of Summerjacks, a creative production agency in Los Angeles. Lauren and her team has worked with many brands, including Hollister, Disney, Pixar, Abercrombie & Fitch, Roxy, and Quicksilver. Some amazing work that she's done includes her work with Disney and the United Nations Girl Up Initiative, the Big Dream Princess video series, as well as Hollister and Sit With Us anti-bullying campaign featuring spokesperson Khalid. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us here in the Impact Studio. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Wonderful. Um, so tell us about Summerjacks. What's the story of this company that you founded and have been growing for the last seven years? So uh, Summerjacks, we're in our seventh year of operation. And I used to be an internal producer at uh, Quicksilver. So I came from the brand side. Um, and we produce beautiful content shoots um, all around the world and uh, beautiful images and, and videos. And I was there for a while and realized there was a need for uh, more production companies that really understood the brands and really understood the operations and, and what goes into brand marketing um, that we could speak a, a language more fluidly. And so I started Summerjacks with uh, two clients and I was very blessed that uh, Roxy was one of my first clients along with Hollister and um, was able to grow with them. They're both still clients of, of, of ours today um, and really uh, develop my team and, and, my, and my company working with them. And we've been, we've been working with both those brands for four or seven years mm -hmm. now. And um, through that, we developed a, a really, really great process of uh, integrating with the marketing teams to really work with them as a true partner, almost an extension of their brands, and to uh, develop content schedules and really look at ways of, of saving money and then elevate the creative without all, all the um, bells and whistles of what advertising budgets used to be, used to be like. And with the new um, demands of social media, which had over the last seven years has gotten, you know, um, just pushed straight to the top of the priority rank, um, we've had to become really creative on these big shot lists that are now being created to satisfy all these different platforms and the content needed for those. Uh, how do we still get it all achieved with really high quality assets that inspirational imagery and, and video um, with the budgets that we used to have or <laughs> that are sliced up much differently than they used to be in old advertising days. So um, today my team is, we have uh, about 10 full-time staff and we're all producers. So fundamentally we, we all come from mostly from the brand side mm -hmm. and we work together as a team and we build our team's up with contractors based on the need of the a job and the client, um, and then we we can go down to what is needed too. So, so I'm curious is there um, is there any sort of a way you would describe sort of the meaning it is for you to sort of be a woman owned and operated business uh, in the industry you're in, but just more generally with the team you put together going through all of this? 
Yeah, it's such an interesting conversation. I really enjoy having it because it wasn't by design. <laughs> I think, um, you know, personally, I came from uh, the resort industry before I was at Roxy, which is pretty male dominated. Then I worked at Roxy, which is female. And then I've, I've created this, um, this company that attracts a lot of women. And it wasn't until, and, and female uh, driven projects too. We work with uh, Disney and Disney Princess and Girl mm. Up, which is the United Nations Foundation. And, and it honestly wasn't until recently where I looked up and I went, oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> because we're always looking for the best talent. Um, and we, we do have men, um, but we do tend to just, I think it's an environment that women feel that they can thrive, that we nurture. Um, them in their growth um, and it attracts attracts a lot of women so yeah I think very very proud of what we've created and where we are and now it's taking the ground there. Excellent well I mean things are going so swimmingly and it's such an amazing story and then of course the troubles began how did you pivot in what ways did you have to adapt what's sort of the story there? Well like a lot of companies most companies um, when COVID hit, it was a screeching halt for us. Mm. Um, and I think it was, you know, a team of producers sort of assessing the situation, putting on our producer uh, problem-solving hats and saying, what have we got here? Right. And really speaking to our clients and understanding w- what their limitations were, their fears, their, where they felt brave and um, adapting to it slowly through it. We picked back up production pretty quickly, uh, but we had to adjust. Our sets were much smaller. Uh, not all our clients wanted to continue production and they weren't able to, um, but some of them were, and we would either travel out of state. We would um, find properties that we could basically claim for a long period of time and quarantine together. Right, in your own little community in town there. Exactly. So we we became, there was one shoot uh, at the end of April, I believe, that was uh, a 30-day shoot and we shot multiple multiple seasons in that one shoot. 30 days is longer than we usually are on set. But it was because that we had everyone um, quarantined beforehand, come to to that location. We mm-hmm. locked it all down and um, we had a lot of protocols in place. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, it was a big, it was a quick pivot and it wasn't turning a boat around it was a quick sharp u-turn on how do we keep this going and you weren't given a playbook or anything on on how to create these protocols no one said here here are the protocols for what you do on set how did you come up with those no back then and these conversations happened at this end of march Mm. so it was it was really really new and fresh um and we we just wrote our own playbook at that point. I think now there's more information and a lot of information sharing and best practices have really um, been established. But back then, we were kind of writing it. And we wow. were speaking with the insurance carriers. We were doing our research. Um, no one, you know, really understood what COVID was back then mm-hmm. um, as much as they do now. Can you? Get, is there like an example of a creative solution you had to come up with? So. I, Clearly, finding a, a finding a new frontier where you can create a, a community that had been quarantined. Could, what were another example of a protocol you had to come up with to do this? Well, I think it. it you know, back then <laughs> it was felt also new. Right now, yeah. it's, we see it being rolled out, but we we just did everything we could. 
we kept distance when, you know, you had, uh, I don't know, sometimes 20, 125 people on set and our sets went down to 20 people. And mm-hmm. we would ensure that places of congregation were not so. Uh, there's a, a digitech station, which is where essentially where the images are, are being reviewed and selected as they're being shot. And usually that's a place where a lot of people congregate there's to look at the, yeah, a big, a big huddle. So that process had to change. We had to ensure, you know, one person was looking at a time. We had to control that environment. Um, we also actually added another, another station so we we sometimes doubled up on on certain things we needed just mm-hmm. to create more space, um, or have a client monitor, which was away from from that that mm-hmm. monitor. We, we just separated everybody, and obviously everyone was wearing masks, and everyone had to wear gloves, and a lot of cleaning of the equipment had to take place. And um, back then, it was everyone was in their own rooms because we all stayed there, and the um, the, the housekeeping wasn't wasn't coming in they were leaving everything outside the rooms and mm-hmm. there was a lot wow. <laughs> of wow. little things that we did here you are trying to survive and one of the things we talked about earlier was that you actually decided to share the things you were doing the things that the insurance companies sort of signed off and said that's that's a good we, it's hard to even know it's a best practice but it's sort of the the best in class because you're creating this what was that experience and what what motivated you to share this with others and their reactions yeah, so we, a strong, overwhelming feeling came across myself and the rest of my team that were in this together. I know that's sort of been over said now, but it really felt like that. We're like, this is not, this is an industry thing. This is a global thing. We all need to survive here. And um, I think it was the first, probably first, strongest feeling I've ever had of we got to help everyone we can with information that we have and share and get this show back on the road because if if we don't all get back to work in this new environment and figure out how to do it mm-hmm. then we're all you know we just all need all need to do it um our industry needs it so we have developed developed a playbook uh back in uh, back in april may after our first few shoots and we'd sort of seen what was working what wasn't working mm-hmm. what people were comfortable with what they weren't and kind of had how are our best practices. So we shared it um, with the industry. We um, hosted some uh, podcasts and we talked about it and then we shared it on our website and we published it. We had some press around it just because we wanted to get the word out. And it was great because I think it kind of gave people a sense of relief that there is a way. Not that wow. I don't believe everyone wouldn't have thought there wasn't a way, but when you see it, a little bit of a light, it inspires. It can kind of jolt a change, and that's what we were trying to trying to do. Yeah, I mean, it's now we're having and hearing more examples of competitors com- cooperating, uh, sharing information, but it's not happening everywhere. And right from the beginning, you sort of had this motivation. What what did you learn in all of this? And not just thinking about how to keep your team and your business thriving, but what did you learn in this process of sort of sharing to the industry writ large, basically helping your competitors survive as well? Oh my gosh. I think um, I, I learned, I guess I had already known, but what really smacked me across the, the face with this was how much I love our industry and how much I love the work that I do and, and how much my team loves the work that we do. And at the end of the day, 
um, that prevails over the competition. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that until you're faced with a situation like this. I didn't realize that. And once seen mm. and, and felt, it's sort of hard to unsee and unfeel it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So what do you, do you see any sort of long-term changes? Uh, what is normal business practices going forward um, post-pandemic? I think that this new uh, sort of collaborative approach with the industry isn't going to leave. I don't think it's going to leave our culture mm. ever. Um, just even conversations we're having now with with competitors and and uh, pe- pe- experts in the industry that we probably wouldn't have gravitated towards as as partners as such. Um, we we are and there's been some beautiful things that have come from it. And I think um, as well uh, we're we've pivoted and we're opening a studio. Um, so which we hadn't had a studio of our own before a lot of our work was on location we're now building and we'll be open next week and what that has also done is we're going to be welcoming other production companies other brands to shoot in here and not just it's not just for us (laughs) wow how exciting so tell us about the studio and i know that you're working with some of the graduate students um, yes. here at the University of Michigan in the Impact Studio. And so tell us a little bit more about the studio and maybe some of the work that you're doing with them. Yeah, sure. So we we are, I don't even know where to start, our first studio where we've got a plan to build multiple. Our first studio is a 40 by 30 psych with a corner. It's perfect for for photography and for video and it's really tall, which our videographers love the most. When it's 20 feet that high, you can't really, <laughs> you can, you know, you don't see the top there. This is a dream size and it's perfect. Mm. And it can be the reason of the, the size was to ensure that we can split sets, have multiple things running, be efficient and, and all this. So we have that and we moved into this space as well. So now our home is here and we're essentially motivated to create a content village as such. And how does this content village work during COVID? So we have partnered with Lifeline Health and they have a uh, mm. COVID testing on site, actually. That's probably the first thing I should have started with. On oh. this. But uh, it's great because right outside our studio, they we can partner and, and we can do um, the rapid testing, uh, mm-hmm. COVID testing, while, while our crew is waiting 15 minutes before they can go into the safe set, which is oh. what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And so are the students uh, providing some feedback on this or helping you think about how to share the world? What What's sort of the nature of that collaboration? Yeah, so all the students are incredible. And, uh, you know, they know we're working through this launch. So this is a perfect time to be working with them because we've, you know, it's a, around the psychology of clean, safe COVID. What, what, are people going to want want available in the studio? How are they going to want the experience when they walk in? What are their, are their potential problem areas? How can we solve them? What's the kind of signage we need? I mean, there's tons that go into that. And the students are, are really helping me put together a plan around that. And it's perfect timing as we're launching to ensure that all, that, all those protocols are in place by the time we launch. Nice. And um, should mention... The, the students are just so thrilled to be working with you on that. Um, <laughs> it's amazing with Tori and Jen and Esnam. 
Um, so what advice would you have for other businesses? I think both in your industry and, and broader, because uh, there isn't an industry that hasn't been disrupted in some ways through all of this, given this yeah. whole journey and not even a whole year or just since March. Um, what advice would you have to others? I would probably say just communicate, talk really uh, to your clients as well as your staff, but clients and customers to really see uh, what they need. Um, and it's going to, it changes a lot. So just keep the com- the conversation open, vulnerable, real, and, um, and, and really try and figure out ways to support them in that and uh, be open to <laughs> which way it might pivot <laughs> and which way that it might go. I mean, the reason I'm saying that is because I wasn't expecting to be building a studio this year. <laughs> And it is 100% to address the needs of what I, I saw our clients need and the industry needed is more safe spaces to shoot and to be creative and not worrying about the, um, the pandemic as such as long as it's, you know, they're in a place where they feel safe, there's protocols in place, then they can focus on, on being creative. And I think that's what mm. people really want to do is focus on their work. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it is fascinating because on one hand, you write that you, you weren't planning to build a studio. But I think what you're saying is not only that, you weren't even planning, nobody was planning on building a safe studio uh, safe right. in the ways that sort of meet some protocols, but also allow people to feel safe to be able to, I think, as wonderfully as you put it, to feel that they can just focus on on their craft, on their creativity. That's exactly right. Definitely was not uh thinking that would be in my future this year so but I and I found joys in it um I think the whole team have of building and I don't think you need to build something as big and elaborate as a studio to feel like you're building um but creating and building through this when we've had so much holding us back and throwing us off course um, feels good and I believe that if it, if it feels good and everyone's into it then something good's going to come of it <laughs> wonderful wonderful well I know you're busy and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time so thank you for sharing your wit and wisdom with us Lauren oh uh, thank you thanks for having me Jeffrey <laughs> this podcast was produced in collaboration with Haley Phillips <laughs>